Welcome to the first SDA podcast. We are glad that you have chosen to spend your time listening to this program, and we know that you will be blessed in the process. We pray as you listen to the message today that you will be inspired, empowered, and renewed to have a closer walk with God. Our young people, another hearty amen this afternoon. We thank God for that wonderful reminder that God is the truth. He will never, ever let you down. He comes through a hundred times out of a hundred. And there are some who may not believe that today because you feel like he's taking too long. But the old song says he may not come when you want him but he'll be there right on time and he will never ever let you down can the church say amen one more time we are very grateful and thankful once again uh, just to be able to be able to be in the house of the lord to worship god in spirit and in truth and to show our gratitude and our thanksgiving for being such an amazing god and showing such great kindness to us his children Today, we want to go ahead and get into the Word of God. Is that all right? And so, having said that, I want to invite you to stand to your feet for the reading of our scripture lesson today. We invite you to stand in honor of the reading of God's Word today. It's been kind of an interesting week. This was not really where I planned to be with you this week, sermonically, but toward the end of this week, one of the things that God impressed upon me is that there's somebody here that's about to enter into a season where you're going to have to trust God like you've never trusted him in your life. Where you're going to have to learn how to cling to that which is more than can be seen. You've got to trust in his word. And how many of us know that God's word is reliable? You You can put money on his word. And there's some of us, you've got to stop trusting in things and people and places and circumstance. You've got to start putting your trust in God's word. And so I want to invite us to look in our Bibles to Luke chapter 7, very familiar text. Luke chapter 7 and verse number 1, which is where we will share with you today. Luke chapter 7 and verse number 1. When you get there, just say amen for me. Luke chapter 7 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Luke 7 and verse 1, see a few of us still turning when you get there. Just just say, Pastor, I'm ready for this. Amen. Amen. Luke 7 and verse 1. Now when he concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and was ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading to him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying, the one for whom you should do this was deserving, for he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them, And when he was already not far from the house, 
I don't know if you got this. He was almost there. The centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but just say the word. No, no, y'all didn't get that. Just, just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. In other words, he's saying those outside of the church sometimes have more faith and belief than those that come every week. And those who were sent returning to the house, when they got there, they found the servant well who had been sick. But again, for emphasis, I want to read verse 7. Therefore, I did not think myself worthy to come to you, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed. Today, saints, I want to talk under the subject, and this is our word to Jesus. I'll take your word for it. I'll take your word for it. Let's pray. Father, I pray that in this little while that you would say much. I ask for permission to join my human weakness, my lack to your divine strength. I pray, Father, that you would hide me in the shadow of the cross, that Jesus alone might be seen, that Christ alone would be heard, and that Jesus alone might be praised. And I'm praying that in the preaching of the word, that our faith and our trust and our hold on you, that it would grow, that it would increase, and that we would trust you above all things. Bless us now is our prayer in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Let God's people say together, amen and amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord today. I'll take your word for it. Good time downstairs. <laughs> Amen. We have to get them to bring it down just a little bit. Um, again, talking on the subject, I'll take your, your word for it. Um, Saints, the Sermonic aim of this message is simply to help us grow to a place where we have absolute trust in the credibility, the validity, and the authority of God's word. As believers, saints, we've got to get to a place where we trust God's word more than anything else in our lives. Like, for real, like we've got to get to a place where we trust his word more than our feelings, where we trust his word more than the outlook, where we trust his word more than man's opinion. And the truth is that we don't realize that it is a requirement of faith that you trust God more than anything you can see, touch, or hold. In fact, the story is told of a six-year-old boy who was trapped in a burning building or apartment. 
And because the stairwell on the inside had collapsed, the rescue workers could not get to him from the inside. And because of trees and power lines, the crane was not able to reach him from the outside. And so the only option for the boy was for him to jump from the window into the hands of the rescue workers. And repeatedly, the rescue workers implored the young man to jump from the window. But because of the mounds of smoke that came from beneath him, he could not see where he was going to land or where his help was going to come from. And so they continued to implore him to jump. And eventually, the boy's dad came. And the boy's dad told him, son, you've got to jump from the window. And the boy, in fear, began to respond. He said, Daddy, I want to jump, but I can't see where you're standing because of the smoke. And the dad simply responded, Son, it does not matter if you can see me. All that matters is that I can see you. And even though you can't see where I am, just jump toward my voice. Just start moving in the direction of my words. And even though the son could not see where the daddy was moving, he did trust in the validity of the daddy's words. And so in faith, the boy jumped through the cloud of smoke and landed in the arms of his daddy and rescue worker. And the boy was lived to tell the story because he was able to jump in the direction of his daddy's words. And the truth is, there's times where life is going to have us trapped. And, and it'll seem like there is no help for you from within. And there are going to be seasons where God is causing you to make a leap of faith. And at times, we can't see where we're going to land or where our help is going to come from. But the good news is today that just because you can't see where God is, we rejoice because God knows exactly where you are. And sometimes you've got to just take a leap in the direction of where his word word is. And the good news is that when you leap on his word, his word is going to sustain you. His word is going to catch you. His word is going to preserve you. Don't always leap where you can see. At sometimes you've got to jump according to God's word. Are you with me today, saints? Now understand as I go back to this text because we find the story of a centurion that moves according to his word even though he never sees Jesus in person. Now, now this text, saints, is interesting to me on a number of levels. One, it's fascinating because there are some cross-relational and cross-racial issues at work. Here in the text, you find a delegation of Jews who come on behalf of a Gentile Roman centurion wanting Jesus to do something for him. Now understand that at this time, the Jews were under the oppressive yoke at the, the Romans, and there was a very visceral and intense hatred toward the Romans at that time. Now it's worth noting, saints, that a lot of the criticism of Jesus was because he was friends with Roman tax collectors and sinners. And the other reason they were angry with him is they wanted Jesus to use his power to destroy the Romans. Now they want Jesus to help one of them. In other words, they were angry because Jesus would not harm them, but now they found one that they want Jesus to help. And one of the things it shows, saints, is the fickleness of people. Can you say amen? 
You, you see, they hated the Romans, but at another point, they appealed to the Romans to crucify Jesus. There were times where the Sadducees and Pharisees hated one another, but they got on the same page to take down the Messiah. And it shows why Jesus never invested in their culture wars or petty battles because of how fickle they were and how easy they were to change their mind. And let me just pause to say this, saints, that even though I think you ought to be loyal to your friends and family, you've got to be careful about investing in other people's hatred. See, see, be careful about investing in other people's anger because folk will get you all worked up about a person or a people group and when it's convenient, they will go buddy-buddy back to them and leave you holding the emotional baggage. Am I telling the truth today? And the reason you can't invest in somebody's anger is most people's anger is based upon emotion and not principle. And see, the truth is you can get angry at somebody else and then all of a sudden they get friends with that person and you're left with unwanted anger and emotion because you've invested in somebody's fickle reaction. And what I've learned as I grow in Christ is that sometimes you've got to learn how to stay neutral, let certain things play out because certain things aren't worth your indignation. Am I preaching to anybody today? I, I remember, man, when my kids were smaller, when they would come home from school, like they would say somebody messed with them at school, and I'd be all worked up, man, looking at kids crazy, looking at their parents cross-eyed, and I'm ready to jump, man, because I don't like the way they treated my kids. But you know how fickle kids are. The very next moment, they best friends, they buddy-buddy, going to the birthday party, want to have a sleepover at their house. In the same way, man, you'll get mad at your girlfriend's man because he dogged her and mistreated her. You've decided you're going to hate him the rest of your life. But then as soon as he calls her again and apologizes, now they all booed up and back together and you've wasted your anger. There are times where you will side with a co-worker because the boss did them wrong. But then as soon as it's in the interest of your co-worker be, to be tight with the boss, now they've sided with them and left you holding the anger. And I guess what I'm saying is that as I age, I'm getting to a place where I can't waste my anger, my emotion, my indignation. I can't waste my energy investing in somebody's anger. Can the church say amen today? And see, one of the things you've got to learn about investing in somebody's anger, you can't invest in somebody's anger because it brings you no return. I can't sow into your hatred because it won't bring me a harvest. And, and see, you've got to get to that place when people try to recruit you to pettiness. You've got to let them know I can't keep sowing into bad soil. You, you realize that when you sow into somebody's hatred, you're like sowing seed into quicksand. You realize that you can't plant seed into quicksand because it's unstable. It doesn't have any earth to it. You can never receive any harvest. And when you try to sow into other people's emotion, it's like sowing into quicksand. It'll never bring a harvest back to you. Can the church say amen? And so go back with me, if you will, to Mark, Luke chapter 7 and verse number 2 and un unpack this thing a little further. The Bible says, And a centurion servant who was dear to him was sick, and the word says that he was ready to die. 
Now, the thing that I need you to take note of here in verse number two is that the Bible says that this centurion, who was a compassionate man, has a servant that was close to him. And I notice how the Bible describes the servant. The Bible says that the servant was ready to die. Now, the thing I need you to know about Luke, who is a physician, when he describes the servant as being ready to die, it's not so much a medical diagnosis, it's a description of his emotional state. In fact, your version may say that he is about to die. And get it, he is physically sick. But the death sentence is simply a reflection of where his mind already is. Are you with me today, saints? In fact, the word ready or about to in the Greek is the word mellow. The word mellow uh, deals with the issue of intention or readiness or being resigned to a particular situation. It is the word mellow where we get the term a person is mellow or mellowed out. But understand that mellow doesn't mean to be cool with it. To be mellow means you ain't got no more fight. It means you have no more resistance. It means you're simply succumbing to what's going on around you. In other words, when he says this man is ready to die, it is not a medical diagnosis. It is a statement of despair. In other words, if the man had the mind and the will, he could probably beat this thing. But his unnamed condition has brought him so much pain and discomfort that it's better for him to just sleep in death than to continue the fight any longer. The pain he feels makes the fight no longer worth it. In other words, saints, he wants to live, but it's easier to die than to keep on fighting. In other words, the implication is that he is willing he would live longer if his will was stronger. In other words, the body is dying because the will to fight is already dead. And I guess what I want to do is have somebody to take a moment and reassess how you are evaluating certain circumstances in your life. Because there are some of us that routinely are facing scenarios that look like they are ready to die. There are some things that you are in that looks like it lacks the ability to keep living. And the question I've got to ask you today is, is the situation dead or have you simply lost the will to keep fighting? And see, I don't want to dismiss how you feel today, saints, because like the centurion servant, there are certain things that can bring you so much pain that the will to keep fighting can dissipate. And see, understand for the centurion servant that death is not an improvement of how he feels. Death is simply where he can't feel nothing any longer. And see, there are some of us that have been in so much pain so long that we would rather have numbness and not feel anything than to continue to go through the pain that life offers us anymore. But the fact that Jesus heals a man who is ready to die teaches us something very important, that just because you're ready to die, it doesn't mean it's your time to die. Oh, Lord, I, I wish I had a church here with me today. In other words, he's, he's ready to die. 
but it's not his time to die. And see, there's some of us that emotionally and spiritually, you've spent so much and you feel like you've got nothing left to give. And for some of us, we're in a place where you're just ready to let the marriage die. But that doesn't mean that it's his time to die. There are some that are ready to let the dream die, but it's not its time to die. There are some willing to let the ministry die, but it's not the time for it to die. School is hard and academically you're ready to die, but it's not your time to die. Your finances look bad and the business looks ready to die. But the word to somebody is that just because it looks ready to die, it doesn't mean that it's time to die. In other words, saying something is not dead until it stops breathing. In other words, a doctor will never declare a person dead because they're in pain. He'll never say they're dead because it's uncomfortable. He'll never say it's dead because it's excruciating. They never declare it dead until it stops breathing. And I guess what I'm saying to somebody, as long as your marriage has breath, as long as your dreams have breath, as long as that vision has breath, as long as your wayward kids have breath, as long as your business has breath, there is still a chance that God can turn it around because if it's still breathing, there's a chance that God is still up to something. And see, and that's why today, saints, the Bible says, let everything that has breath Praise the name of the Lord. And I guess what I'm saying is that sometimes, saints, you ought to just praise God that it still has breath. In other words, it's hurting, but it still has breath. My body is in pain, but it still got breath. My marriage is in shambles, but it still got breath. My career is in the, uh, the coffer, but it still has breath. And how many of us know that sometimes you shouldn't just praise God for how it feels. You got to praise God that there's still a pulse, that it still has breath, that there's still a chance that God can turn it around. And the thing I need somebody to get is that my goal is not to make you shout. I'm simply trying to stir your will. I'm trying to awaken your resolve. I'm trying to revive your fortitude. I want to set your soul on a hard reset. I want to awaken somebody's courage. I want to prophesy a second wind into somebody's spirit today. Because to let it die is the easy way out. But how many of us know it takes courage to keep believing? It takes courage to keep getting your hopes up. It takes courage to anticipate a miracle. It takes courage to trust God when you can't see a way out. And I know that you've given it all that you think you can give. And you've given it all the strength you think you can have. But the promise of God is that even the youths grow weary. And the young men will utterly fall. But they that that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. Praise God if it still has breath inside of it. Are you hearing me today, saints? So the word says to us here in Luke chapter 7, as we see this thing unfold in verse 3, the Bible says, when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. Now, verse 3, what it does, saints, is it gives us some insight into how this Gentile pagan comes to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the thing I need somebody to get is notice that the centurion never comes face to face with Jesus. He, he never meets Jesus for himself. He, he never sees anybody get healed. 
In other words, like this centurion is not an eyewitness, he is an ear witness. In other words, he believes in Jesus because somebody has been testifying to him or somebody's been testifying in his presence. In other words, it was upon hearing what somebody else said about Jesus that provoked him to make the appeal on behalf of his dying servant. In other words, it's what somebody said about him that made him come to God on behalf of the dying servant, which leads me to point number two, that people die when we refuse to testify. Mm. See, we're not told who testifies. We're not told what they testify to. We're not told what the nature of the testimony was. All we're simply told is that somewhere along the line, he heard somebody talking about the goodness of Jesus Christ. And I need you to get that it was simply somebody's testimony about what God said. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? In other words, he never sees this in person. Jesus has never done anything for him personally. The only evidence that he has is the witness of some saint that refused to be quiet about what Jesus had done for them. And it is somebody's testimony that leads this Gentile, unbelieving bigwig to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And see, saints, I need you to gather the implications here that, that if nobody testifies, the servant dies. If nobody gives God glory, the man dies ahead of schedule. And I guess what I'm wondering, saints, is how many people in Huntsville are dying spiritually and emotionally because the saints won't testify no more. See, I need you to understand that the centurion has not experienced Jesus. The only evidence that he has, the only word that he has is what he heard somebody say about Jesus. And see, that's why you've got to make sure that you value rightly the word of testimony because the word says that faith cometh by hearing. That's why Revelation 12 says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. See, the thing about some of us is we think that the only way we can win some is through the sharing of doctrine. But how many of us know that your witness can't just be doctrine-based, it's got to be experience-based, where you talk to others about what God has done for you. Are you hearing me, saints? And see, there are three things that the enemy has done to silence the testimony of the saints in our time. See, the first thing that he's done is he's made us selfish with our testimony. See, what he's done, he's been very, very astute at putting us on an individual island. And this is where we operate under the wrong assumption that everything I go through is about me. Are, are y'all with me today, First Church? In other words, like the mature believer understands that everything, that what I go through is not for me, but as everything I go through becomes a part of my assignment. Okay, let, let me say this again. What I go through is not about me. What I go through is the outward call to my assignment. 
See, as those of you who listen to me preach from week to week, you know that I don't just preach principles and doctrine. You hear me each week stand up here and preach out of an experience. Experience as a kid, experience as a husband, experience as a father. I don't just preach ideas. I preach my experience in Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me, saints? And that's why Paul in 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 9, he says that our very lives are set up to be a spectacle before men and before angels so that my life is not lived unto myself, but it is lived unto the glory of the Almighty God. Are you hearing me, saints? But when your life is just about your survival, then life just becomes about making it through. You feel no obligation to testify to those who are suffering where God has brought you from. Are you hearing me today, saints? The second thing that the enemy has done is he's caused some of us to underappraise the worth of our testimony. He's called some of us to undervalue or devalue the worth of the testimony that God has given to us. See, the problem with some of us in this room is we think we don't have no testimony. See, see, we live under the false assumption that if God had healed me from cancer or leprosy or brought me right back from the verge of being on the verge of my sick bed or deathbed, that I don't have anything to share about the goodness of God. But I need everybody in this room to understand that you've got a testimony about what God has done for you. I need you to know that the mercies that God provides every day are worthy of you giving voice to the goodness of God. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? See, there's somebody who's saying, man, I ain't got no testimony. But if you can testify that God has given me peace in the midst of my storms, do you realize how many people in this world that need to know that there is peace in Jesus? Do you know how many folk there are that smoke themselves and drink themselves and cut themselves nearly to death because they're looking to find some type of peace that this world cannot provide and sometimes their deliverance dies on the inside of your mouth? Do you realize, saints, that instead of just trying to convince people that Saturday is the right Sabbath day, won't you start testifying about the blessings of Sabbath rest? Start testifying about how you get renewed on Sabbath, how God restores you on Sabbath, how you're riding on the high places because of Sabbath. And if you begin to testify about the goodness of Sabbath and Sabbath rest, you realize that those that are taxed and overwhelmed and run down by life, they need to know that there is rest in Jesus Christ, but sometimes their healing dies inside of your mouth. There are times where you just need to testify, not your whole life's detail, but you ought to just testify that I was lost and now I'm found. I was blind and now I see. And the reason you got to testify to your own lostness before Christ is you realize the reason some folk won't come to church is because they're intimidated by church. They're intimidated by religion. They believe that they don't measure up and that's why they don't come. And the reason they're anticipated, are intimidated is because we only let them see the best of us. And that's why your testimony can't just be about where you are. You got to testify about where God found you. You got to testify that I was a messed up, that I was a wretch, and the grace of God looked beyond my faults and it saw my needs. And when you testify, your healing doesn't die in your, their, your mouth. And I guess what I'm saying, saints, is that when you testify about God's providing power, his protecting power, his keeping power, his restoring power, his loving power, your testimony is enough. 
Third thing that's happened to our testimony, saints, is we've allowed the enemy to silence us because we live or take our cues from the majority. Isn't it amazing, saints, how the connotation of words changes, how in our time, how the word religion has almost become like a dirty word in our culture and time. There was a time when it was okay to live out loud for Jesus Christ and express your joy about your faith in God, but the culture is operated in such a way that you have to keep your faith on the down low, and your Christianity cannot be articulated in public square where we can talk about everything now but the goodness of Jesus Christ. And see, the thing I need you to get, saints, is that I'm not dogmatic about my faith. I'm not intrusive in sharing my faith. But I want you to know that I am opportunistic and intentional. I'm looking for open windows into the heart by which I might tell somebody about the great things that God has done for me. And see, see, the problem with the church in our time is literally the fact that I have to tell you to talk about the goodness of Jesus Christ. Like, like that, is, that is literally insane that a preacher has to tell you to talk about the God that has saved you from sin or give voice to the God that pays bills every month and sustains your life every day, that fills your life with loving kindness. And see, the problem with some of our witness is we see our witness as a duty that has to be executed as opposed to being so aware of the goodness of God that we are literally, uh, feel compelled from the inside to boast in the goodness of the Lord. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? In other words, nobody should have to tell you to talk about Jesus. You should be on the verge of getting fired from your job because you're always talking about Jesus. And, and see, I need you to know that when you, when God has been good to you, no, no, let me, let me say that better, because God is always good to you. When you recognize that God has been good to you. I, I, it's like the song says, when I just think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul cries hallelujah. Thank God for saving a wretch like me. Are you hearing me today, saints? But see, see, that's why I need you to get that the call to witness does not come from an outward cajoling. It has to come from an inward experience. It's just like Jeremiah when he finds himself in the stockades because of his faith. He gets mad at God. Just like, God, I'm not going to preach your word. I'm not going to mention your name anymore. But the word of God is so deep in his spirit that he says, man, even though I wanted to be quiet, your word is like a fire shut up in my bones and I'm weary of holding it back. It's why Paul says, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. And what I'm saying is that you got to allow the goodness of God to to ruminate in your belly so that it does not be, have to be cajoled from the outside, but the testimony comes from the inside. Are you hearing me today, saints? And see, funny thing about this world we live in is that it has a way of turning glory into shame and turning shame into glory. Isn't it amazing how in the last 30 years, all the homosexuals have come out of the closet and all the Christians have gone inside? Like, like, isn't it a trip that a man can boast about his sexual conquest, but he can't boast about the goodness of God? I mean, isn't it a trip that it's more acceptable to have 15 sexual partners than to be a young virgin in Jesus Christ? 
Isn't it crazy that I have to be ashamed to say I'm sober, but, but I can be bold about telling people I get baked and lit? It, isn't it amazing how we take our cues from the majority, and as a result, that which should be unto glory is treated like shame, and that which is shameful is treated unto glory. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? And see, the reason you got to be out loud about your faith, saints, is that what it does is it actually, what it does is it frees or it looses others who believe who don't have your boldness in Christ. That's why Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Do you realize that there are more Christians than we realize, but the problem is they don't have boldness, and they need somebody to stand up and set them free. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? Just like this man last weekend, I was preaching in California, Jaden, and I went out, and he went with me. We hung out and had kind of a boys' weekend, and after I was done preaching that Sunday night, uh, Saturday night in Modesto, that Sunday, we had a chance to go over to Oakland, where we watched the Golden State Warriors play the Phoenix Suns in basketball. And, and one of the things that happened, man, you got to realize, if you've ever been to a sports game, you realize it ain't nothing but a big church service. I mean, no, no, it, it is simply like worship. There is cheering and chanting and support of your team, whichever one it is. And it's crazy because, like, we are there in Oakland, and the home team is the Golden State Warriors. The away team is the Phoenix Suns. And what happens about five rows in front of me, I see the strangest phenomenon take place. We are there in Oakland. That's the home team. But I see about three Phoenix Suns fans who are draped in jerseys and T-shirts in the middle of the game, in the midst of the majority, they stand up and they start cheering and shouting for their team. Now, now it's crazy because like I'm neutral, I'm not cheering for any team, I'm just there for the game. But like, man, I just had to, man, show mad respect because you got like 30,000 folks cheering for one side, but you got three who don't care what the majority does. You got three that are so loyal to their team that if everybody else cheers for the other end, they're going to stand up and cheer for the team they came to support. And so the crazy thing is that when they stood up and started cheering, folk in the majority told them to shut up. Folk in the majority told them to be quiet. Folk in the majority told them to come back from where they came from. But the more they told them to shut up, the louder they began to cheer. The crazier they looked at them, the louder they began to get. And the funny thing about it was that there was actually probably about 700 Phoenix Suns fans in the arena, but they were so ashamed by the majority that they kept quiet the entire game. And the louder the three begin to cheer, you begin to see six over there, and five over there, and 10 over there, and 12 over there. In other words, because they wouldn't be quiet, they set some other folk free. Y'all not hearing this thing today. In other words, saints, when you come into the house of God, the majority may look at you funny when you clap. The majority may think you're crazy cause you're praised. Some may tell you you need to be quiet. Some may say it doesn't take all that, but the more they try to silence you, the more you ought to praise God. And the more you praise God, the more you set some other folk free. They want to praise him, but they're afraid. They want to praise him, but they ain't got the boldness. They want to praise him, but they ain't got the courage. But we need some who are not ashamed of the goodness of God, who are willing to set 
some other folk free in worship. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? You can't take your cues from the majority. You got to praise his name anyhow. Are you hearing me today, saints? So the word of God says to us here, listen, I need you to know I'm not going to keep you long. I'm almost done. Word says here, stay with me. Word says here, Jesus here in verse number six, then Jesus went with them. And he was already not far from the house. The centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. Therefore, I didn't even think myself to come to you. But he says, watch this. Just... <sighs> Lord, you ain't got to come. Just say the word. Just, just put it in the atmosphere. Just... Just say it, and my servant will be healed. For he says, I am also a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to one, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does this. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled and turned around to the crowd and said to them, I say unto you, I've not seen such great faith even in Israel. Now, this man's faith to me, saints, is quite astonishing and remarkable. Like... I'm trying to figure this out. Like, he asked Jesus to come. The word says that Jesus is on the way. The man's faith is so hardcore that Jesus is almost at the house. You would think that if you heard Jesus is right around the corner, you just say, like, just let him come all the way in. But the man has so much faith that he says, listen, Lord, you, you ain't even, I, listen, the reason I didn't come is because I didn't think myself worthy to come to you. And I'm not even worthy to have you come underneath my house. In other words, Jesus, I need this man to be healed. I need this situation to turn around. But I believe so much, Lord, that you ain't even got to come. Just fix your mouth. Let something come from your diaphragm. Let the word come out of your mouth. Just put it into being, and I know my servant is going to be healed. In other words, you ain't got to come, Jesus. Just speak the word. Okay. So, so now, Lewis, I'm trying to figure out, how is it that this pagan, Gentile, like Roman guy, how is it that he has so much faith? And it's crazy because, man, man Jesus says, man, I ain't seen this kind of faith. In church. He, he says in church, like, they won't be satisfied until I come all the way to their house. But from the outside, they say, listen, man, just speak the word, and everything is going to be okay. And I'm trying to figure out how is it that this man has this kind of faith. Now, watch me, saints. The reason this man has this kind of faith is that he understands protocol. See, you'll never have faith if you don't understand protocol. <laughs> See, where are my veterans in the room at? My veterans will get what I'm about to say. See, the reason he has faith is he understands the nature of protocol. So he says, listen, you ain't got to come, just speak the word. But then he goes into an interesting dialogue. He says, listen, you ain't got to come because I'm a man under authority, but then I'm also a man with authority. I say to one, come, and he comes. I say to another, go, and he goes. I say to one, do that, and he does that. In other words, he's saying, you ain't got to come, Jesus. I just need you to speak the word because over here, we understand the nature of protocol. See, y'all still not with me today, saints. 
In other words, those who understand protocol knows that if he just speaks the word, that the word even has power in his absence. In other words, he says that because I have authority, when I tell a servant to do this, he does it. When I tell a servant to go, he goes. And guess what? My servants don't wait for me to show up to do it. No, all I got to do is send the word and my word gets it done. Nobody debates my word. Nobody questions my word. Nobody argues my word. My word settles the debate. My word settles what ought to be done. As long as my word is there, I ain't got to be nowhere near it. Y'all not hear me. He says, I'm a man under authority so that when my superior officer gives me a command, he ain't got to show up for me to do it. I'm going to show up when he ain't never around. I'm going to get it done. I'm going to follow directions. I ain't got to agree. I ain't got to understand because his word settles it. Some of y'all still didn't get it today. In other words, because he understands protocol, the word is impactful even in his absence. And so he says, I'm a man with authority. I'm a man under authority. And when he gives that, he's not trying to big time Jesus. He's simply saying that if my servants do what I say, if I do what my superior says, if their words goes ahead of them, then if your word goes ahead of you, if you just speak the word, if you just declare the word, your word is going to answer all of the problems and it's going to have power because we trust in the power and the authority of your word. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? And see, the problem is there are some of us that need to see something. We need to feel something. We need to see him in person. But how many of us know that his word is stronger than his presence? Are y'all hearing me today, saints? And see, the reason I said it at the beginning is because there are some of us that are going to get to this place where we put all of our trust in his word. Mm. See, I love what Ellen White says in Gospel Workers. She says that living faith in God's word does not operate as an opinion. It operates as a transaction. Mm. Oh, Lewis, I need to go preach out of town. They, they don't want this today. Listen, the, the real faith operates in the word like a not as an opinion but as a living transaction and see the problem with us is that the word is like cash but we're treating it like a gift card oh lord maybe it's just good to me today listen see the thing about a gift card is that the gift card has limitations it's only got a certain amount on it and it can only be redeemed in certain locations. So I can't take this gift card from Target and I can't redeem it at Walmart. I can't redeem it at Publix. I can't redeem it at Mapco. I can't redeem it at Hilton because it's got limitations on it. But how many of us know that cash ain't got no limitations on it? I can spend it at Target. I can spend it at Goodwill. I can spend it at Publix. I can spend it at Myers. I can spend it at Aldi. I can spend it at McDonald's. And see, the thing I like about the U.S. dollar is that the U.S. dollar spins all over the world. Oh, y'all didn't get this thing today. Uh, I can spend this dollar in Florida. I can spend it in Georgia. I can spend it in Bermuda. 
situation you face in your life. So somebody saying today, Pastor, I got sickness in my body. Put the word down on it. Because the word says that there is still a bomb in Gilead. That there's still a physician there. The word says the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord is going to raise him up. There's somebody saying, Pastor, I don't know what to do. Put the word down on that thing. For if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men freely and a greatest not. Somebody saying, Pastor, I don't have enough money for the bill. Put the word down on it. For the word says, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Somebody saying, Pastor, I got a lot of enemies on my job. Put the word down on it. For the word says, no weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper. And every tongue that rises in judgment, God is going to condemn. Put the word down on it. The word says the enemies will come in one way and flee in seven ways. There's somebody that's saying, Pastor, I don't know where my help is going to come from. Put the word down on it. But the Bible says, I will look to the hills from whence cometh my help. I said my help. I said your help. No, no, I said my help. And I said your help. No, I said my help, and I said your help. It cometh from the Lord, who makes heaven and earth. Stop treating it like a gift card, and put the word on it today. Are y'all hearing me today? It spins where you are. It spins in the barbershop. It works in your marriage. It works in your relationship. It works over your crazy kids. It works over your sick body. It works in the hospital. It works in the hospice room. It works in the sick room. It works in your job. It works in the break room. It spins wherever you take it. Because the word is universal currency. And it's a transaction wherever you send it. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? And see, how many of us understand that the word says, that all his promises in Christ are yea, and in him they are amen. They are yes, and they are the truth. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? And what I'm saying is, beloved, you got to get back to that place where you start claiming the promises, where you start praying the promises, where you start walking in the promises, and you don't live your life by assessments or analysis but you begin living your life in agreement and in harmony with his word. Are y'all hearing me? Because see this is the thing we think that they back in those days that the centurion had an advantage over us because Jesus spoke the word. You realize that Jesus spoken words have expired. But his written words are immortal. Grass is going to wither. 
flowers gonna fade, but the word of the Lord is gonna endure forever and ever. They don't have no advantage over us because his God breathed word. See, protocol teaches that the word even stands in his absence. I just want to see the Lord. No, you ain't got to see him. His word is already written. His word stands in his absence. Lord, I just want to feel the Lord. You ain't got to feel him. The word stands and operates in his absence. Lord, I just want to touch him. No, you ain't got to touch him. His word operates even in his absence. And the reason I'm preaching this like I ain't got no sense to y'all today is because I realized, man, God spoke it to me very pop. This wasn't where I was going. Tim, Thursday, right after class, this is where this thing dropped on me as I was going to my car. That there's somebody that's about to move into a phase where you're going to have to trust God like you've never trusted him in your life. God is saying to that person, like, so we, we talk about being last day Christians. You, and, and that's great because we're going to see Jesus coming. But do you realize that last day Christians, we have to trust God like no generation before us. Do y'all hear me, saints? I'm talking about when everybody's either marked or sealed or sealed. And we're in that phase where you can't buy or sell or interact in society unless, man, you made a decision to serve the side of the enemy. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? I'm talking about a stretch where you can't trust what's in your account. You can't trust your friends. You can't trust family. Like your only trust is going to be in God's word. And see, the reason certain satanic imaginations have such a hold on us, the reason some of us are sitting here wondering, does God still love me? Does God see me? Does God know what I'm going through? See, some of you won't say it out loud because we're in church, but some of us are wondering, does God even care? And the reason the imaginations are so strong is because they have more hold than the word of God in our lives. Because if you, if you believe this, his word already told you, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. His word says, I love thee with an everlasting kindness. And it's with that kindness I've drawn you to me. Listen, listen, man, if you believed him, you, you would know that that circumstance is not going to take you out. But you know Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. If you really believe this, you know trouble will not last always. But he that shall come will come, and he will not tarry. You know that death does not have the final say. For Jesus says that I am the resurrection and the life. And though somebody dies, they will live again if they die in me. And what I'm saying is, beloved, we got to get to this place where we trust the word more than we trust our assessment, our opinion, our friend. You got to trust him for your kids. You got to trust him for your house. You got to trust him for your provision. You got to trust. Listen, feelings are not faith. They change all the time. But you gotta have a, you gotta treat God's word not as an opinion, but as a living transaction and stop treating it like a gift card, like a coupon. You gotta treat his word like cash. How many of us wanna trust God more and more? Go ahead and sing that song for us. Come 
favor. Go ahead and lower that as we med meditate on this song. down as the body of Christ you're standing to your feet and, and we're standing to our feet as a part of a covenant to say like the centurion Lord I'll take your word for it I'll take your word for it I'll take you at your word and the, the appeal today it is simply not one of just rededication is the normal things. But the appeal today is this. And, and do me for musicians if you can bring it down just a little bit. Bring it down just a little bit. The appeal today is unto radical trust in God. It is where you stop evaluating God's faithfulness. goodness through empirical means. The word says that the just will live by faith, not by sight. And, and I need somebody to get that like you got to start putting the promises of God in your heart. Start praying the promises of God. 
And, and, and when, when, when the promises come in conflict with the reality, I trust God's promise above the outlook or the forecast. I'm talking about like where my faith is not always measured by how I feel. Where I know God is with me even when I can't feel him. Where I know I am forgiven just because his word says, if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me. Where I don't yield to the voice of condemnation every time it speaks his despicable words into my mind. I'm talking about, man, when my whole world is turned upside down, I realize that God is still there. This brief appeal, there's somebody today that needs to begin trusting God. Maybe you've been around church your whole life. Maybe you've been around religious things, but you've never really had a relationship with God that was based on trust. And there's somebody today that needs to begin a relationship with God that is based upon what is unseen, based upon what is said and articulated in his word. And if you're here today and the Spirit of God is speaking to you, and maybe you felt unloved because you didn't know his word, you felt forgotten about because you didn't know his word, maybe you felt abandoned because you didn't understand what God was saying to you in his word, and you're saying, man, I, I can't keep operating according to feelings. I want to start operating according to faith and radical trust in his word. If you're here today, my brother, sister, the Spirit of God is moving upon you. God bless you, my brother. You want to make a decision to say, I want to begin... A relationship with God that is based upon faith and trust in him. God bless you, sister. Praise God. Is there somebody else today? You want to make that decision for Jesus Christ? Come on down. Shake one of these elders' hands. Shake my hand. Give Jesus your heart. Be here today. God bless you. Praise God for you. There's somebody else today. You want to make that decision to come home to Jesus Christ, to begin a saved relationship with him. But you want to begin this time based upon faith, not evidence, faith not works. You want to say yes to the Savior. If you're in the balcony, you can come. If you're on the floor, you can still come. God bless you, my sister. The doors of the church are open. Why don't you come in? Why don't you just take him at his word? God bless you. Praise God. Is there somebody else today that says, this time, I want to begin it not on my performance, not how well I'm going to do, not on how well I'm going to function, but I'm beginning this time based on faith. And I'm giving myself to him. God bless you. Praise God. Praise God. God bless you, brother. God bless you, sister. There's somebody else today that's saying, I need to begin a journey that is based upon trust, a journey that is based upon faith and not how I feel. God bless you, young people. Praise God. That is a good decision to serve the Lord. God bless you. Praise God, sister. There's somebody else. God bless you, brother. Come on down. Doors of the church are open. Come on in. Welcome, welcome, welcome home. God bless you. There's somebody else today. You're here. Spirit of God is moving upon your life. You hear God calling you. You hear God speaking to you in your inner man, your inner woman. And you simply want to say yes to his will, his direction. You want to say, I'm not halting any longer. If there's somebody, you got some stuff that is wearing you down, but I need you to know that if it's got breath, it's not dead, that God is still at work. If you're here today, Spirit of God's moving on. You want to come? Maybe you want to say, I want to join God's church. I want to be baptized. I want to be rededicated. But whatever it is, it is of faith. 
Whatever movement you make, it is a faith. And you realize every step you take as a believer, it has to be a step of faith. Anything, the Bible says, anything that is not of faith, it is sin. Every step you take by sight, it is sin. Every step you take by sight, it is just a guess. Every, we've got to live a life of faith and trust. Right now, I'm about to get ready to pray. And the rest, maybe you're standing, you're the same pastor, I hear you. I'm a believer. But, but man, God bless you, brother. Come on down. Great decision. Great decision. God bless you. God bless you. And listen, young people, if you're in the balcony today, you've been just a part of religious culture, but you've never began the journey of faith. And if you're here today and you want to make that decision, I need you to know we'll wait for you. Come on down. See one of those ushers at the front door. We want to welcome you. We want to receive you as a part of the family of God. If you're here today and the Spirit of God is moving on you in the balcony and in the mother's room in these next few seconds why don't you come doors of the church open come on in you just you need special prayer bible studies baptism or maybe you just need to say i need to transfer my membership i need to get a spiritual covering and begin my journey of service in the lord right here if you're here today just come just come just come we'll wait for you but you're standing maybe you're here standing you didn't come down but you're saying pastor i'm with you i want to live my life based on the word I'm going to live my life based on the word, not my feelings. My word, the word, not my opinions. I'm going to live a life of trust based on God's word. We're praying. Lord, for anything good that has happened, all the glory belongs to you. And as a fallen vessel, I acknowledge that only the mistakes are mine. And Lord, as a body, our goal is to truly begin a journey that is based on faith, not our feelings, not our assessment. So Lord, first of all, our first covenant is to say, Lord, we want to start by just spending time in your word so that we are not tossed to and fro like waves upon an angry sea, but that we have an anchor and, and we are not anchored by circumstance, by who we date or who our parents are, but we want to be anchored in you. Lord, we don't, we, we're tired of just being shifted and thrown about. We want to be steadfast and unmovable. We want to have an unmovable faith. And Lord, we want to have a journey that is based upon your word. The centurion teaches us this, that, that if we understand protocol, that, that, if we, that if human commands function in the absence of the superior who gives it, we know that your word is still powerful even in the absence of us being able to see or sense you. So Lord, help us to know that your word has power. Help us to treat your word not like a gift card, but like, like cash. And every time we claim your word, may we do so as a transactional card. So Lord, I'm praying for the body of Christ that you would help us, oh God, in every circumstance to put down the word, in every situation to trust your word, in every scenario to trust your word, to take the word into the classroom, into the hospital, into the sick room, into the bedroom, into the living room. Help us not to speak our own opinions, our own minds, but help us to speak only your word. So Lord, would you bless us? Would you keep us? Would you anoint us by divine grace and power and help us to live a journey that is completely one of faith? We pray this, O oh God, in the matchless name of Jesus. Let all God's people say together, amen and amen. You may be
We know that you have been blessed for listening to this message. Join us next week for another inspirational message. If you would like more information about the First SBA Church located in Huntsville, Alabama, or have a prayer request, please visit us at www.firstsvachurch.com. Our services are streamed live on Saturday mornings at 11.30 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. Central Time. And you're invited to watch these live programs on our website. Until next time, may God richly bless and keep you in His care.